So, continuing on in Psalm 23, we are in verse 4, actually just the first half of verse 4, in the darkest valley. And folks, here's where it gets personal. To this point, David is he's, he's just making a declaration to the world. He says, hey world, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and on and on. Here he gets personal with God. He's talking directly to God. He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He's not talking to the world anymore. He's not talking to his family. He's talking to God himself. The shadow of death. So, today, we get to talk about death. And we get to talk about fear and how to overcome it, the lack of fear, why we don't have to fear. First, just a little bit about sheep that I read from the book, not the Bible. During the harsh winter months, sheep are down low. They're in the lowlands. They're kept in protection from the elements. But when spring and summer comes, the shepherd will lead them up to the highlands and they'll go through ravines and, and valleys and along the mountainsides and those can be a treacherous, that can be a treacherous journey for them because along the way there are predators who would want to keep, uh, snatch and devour the sheep, which they will do if the shepherd isn't with them to guide them and protect them. But once they get through those valleys, through the ravines, through the valley of the shadow of death. They're up on the highlands and there's rich, lush pasture above. It's the passages above that are rife with danger. We're like those sheep. We encounter passages like that. We encounter ravines and valleys and shadows and the valley of death itself. And how we overcome this is how we overcome the shadows of each of them. First, I just want to talk about the valleys of life. Not necessarily the valleys of death, but the valleys of life. As long as Jesus is with me, I can endure just about anything. Actually, anything, including fear. I'll tell you a little story. A couple winters ago, I was home on a Friday at an extended lunch, and I was taking our grandkids for rides on the sled behind the snowmobile around our acreage there south of town. And Lucy and Russell's little boy, he was uh, just a little over two that, uh, that time, Ralph, I asked, I said, Ralph, do you want to come and snowmobile and sled? This is a picture of Ralph when he's about two years old. And he said, no, he, he, he pulled back and he was crying. He said, there's no way I'm going to get on with you and I'm going to get on that sled. And he, he shrunk back from the snowmobile and the sled. But later, I think the next day, Russell came over and he took the kids snowmobiling and sledding behind the snowmobile. And he said, Ralphie, do you want to come with me? Sure, Dad. Came with Russell and and uh, rode on the snowmobile. He had no fears because his daddy was with him. God has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. 
Folks, we need to be like Ralphie. We need to be like Ralphie. As long as God is with us, and he is, and he will be, we have no fear. Our shepherd is near us. A.W. Tozer wrote this, The only safe place for sheep is by the side of the shepherd, because the devil does not fear the sheep. He just fears the shepherd. Stay close to God. Stay close to Jesus. Close to our shepherd. Years ago, after, shortly after Jean and I, we were married, newly married. We were expecting David already. And we were soon to move from North Dakota to Columbus, Ohio, so I could go to the Ohio State University. God gave me this promise from Deuteronomy 31.6. For the Lord your God... He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. One of the most repeated promises from Scripture is that God is with us. He will never leave us. Joshua 1.9 says this, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And Jesus himself said this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then Hebrews 13.5 says, He himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I can endure an awful lot. And I can endure, I can endure, endure an awful lot by myself. But I can endure much more if I know I have some trusted people with me, my wife, my family, my friends, and Jesus, my shepherd. The promises from God that he is with us always are precious. Remember that, the next valley God allows you to go through. Now, folks, a word from those who have actually gone through the literal valley of the shadow of death. So what we're going to do here, we're going to hear the last words of people who went through the valley of death with Jesus as their shepherd. The last words of saints, believers in Jesus, there'll be encouragements for your soul but before we do that, before we hear from them, we're going to hear from a few who lived their lives disregarding God and even fighting against God. And they faced death without God. This is going to be heavy. This is going to be very sad. It may be harrowing, but you can handle it. This is from a book, The Last words of saints and sinners have this up here this is the same book different cover got this book not too long ago the last words from saints and sinners compiled by herman or herbert lockyer so first here are the ones here's some ones who resisted god in life prepare yourself first one's from edward gibbon he was an infidel he wrote The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. He said this at his deathbed, all is dark and doubtful. This is from uh, the Count of Mirabeau. He was a prominent 
figure in the bloody French Revolution. He said this on his deathbed, Give me opium that I may not think of eternity. Thomas Paine, he wrote The Age of Reason, which challenged, among other things, the legitimacy of the Bible. He said this, I would give the worlds if I had them, if the Age of Reason had never been published. Oh Lord, help me. Christ, help me. It is so, it is hell to be left alone. If ever the devil had an agent, I had been that one. Charles IX, King of France, who murdered and crushed countless Christians during his awful reign, said this, What blood, what murders, what evil counsels have I followed? I am lost. I see it well. Skip that next one. Thomas Hobbes, philosopher, I say again, if I had the whole world at my disposal, I would give it to live one day. I'm about to take a leap into the dark. And this from Voltaire, famous anti-Christian atheist, he said this at his death, that I am abandoned by God in man. He said to his physician, I will give you half of what I am worth if you'll give me six months of life. When he was told this was impossible, he said, then I shall die and go to hell. His nurse said, for all the money in Europe, I wouldn't want to see another unbeliever die. Skip that next one. Anton Levy, satanic Bible author and high priest of the Satan worship religion, he said, oh my, oh my, what have I done? There is something very wrong. Skip those last two. We've had enough. Let's share one. Now it's going to get better. Okay? It's going to get better. This is like the thief on the cross. A man named Oliver is a doctor of philosophy. He lived most of his life as an atheist, fighting against God. But toward the end, he repented. He trusted in Christ. And he expressed regret for how he had lived those many years. He said, what would that I could undo the mischief that I have done? I was more ardent to poison men with infidel principles than any Christian is to spread the gospel of Christ. Here's some more now. And these again, these are words spoken right at the end. These are believers who actually lived their life serving Jesus Christ. They had no regrets at the end. God was with them through the valley of the shadow of death. Thomas Goodwin, famous Puritan of the 17th century, says, Ah, this is dying? How I have dreaded as an enemy this smiling friend. Philip Otterbein, he's a great German evangelist of the 18th century, and there is a college in Ohio named after him, Otterbein College. Some of my classmates at The Ohio State University went to Otterbein College. He said, the conflict is over and past. I begin to feel an unspeakable fullness of love and peace within. <clears throat> peace divine. Lay my head upon my pillow and be still. Another Puritan, John Owen. I'm going to him whom my soul loveth, or rather who has loved me with an everlasting love, which is the sole ground of my consolation. And here's one from 
C.H. Spurgeon's grandfather, a believer, devout believer in Christ, a friend was visiting him during his last hours, and his friend said, friend said this, uh, from, from firm as the earth, his promise stands. Firm as the earth, his promise stands. Pretty good promise? To which Spurgeon replied, that would be but sorry comfort for me now. The earth is slipping away from me. No, firm as his throne, as his throne, his promise stands. Folks, this isn't to ignore the pain and suffering that precedes and often accompanies death. We realize that. Some of us have been in the presence of folks who've gone through it. But again, when the end comes, use some words of believers who have gone through it and have made their mark for Christ. I'm going to read a few more. Matthew Cotton, great Puritan. I am going where all tears will be wiped away. Howard Crosby, he preached at the 4th Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. He said, my heart is resting sweetly in Jesus and my hand is in his. D.L. Moody said this, I see the earth receding. Heaven is opening. God is calling me. Skip that next one. Next one, David Livingstone. He said to his African servants, devout friends, he led them to Christ, build me a hut to die in. I am going home. Build me a hut to die in. I am going home. He was found dead. He was kneeling at his bedside. He was in prayer and he died in prayer. They came in and he was still kneeling. He had gone to heaven. They, they loved him so much, they, re, they removed his heart and they buried it in Africa, the land that he loved. And then his servants took his body, they preserved it in salt, and they carried it over a thousand miles across Africa, brought it to England. He was buried in Westminster Abbey. John Wesley said this, best of all, God is with us. Farewell. How do you like that one? William Gasby, traveling evangelist. I shall soon be with him. Victory, victory, victory. And then he raised his hand forever. John Kershaw, founding father of the strict Baptist. God is faithful. God is faithful. Margaret Pryor, urban missionary, humanitarian, early 1800s. Eternity rolls up before me like a sea of glory. Martha McCracken, how bright the room. How bright the room, how full of angels. Skip the next few. Mrs. France, Mrs. Mary Francis, all that I could tell you what joy I possess. I am full of rapture. The Lord shines with such power upon my soul. He has come. He has come. Civil War General Stonewall Jackson, he was a committed Christian. He said at the end, let us cross over the river and rest under the shade of the trees. And one more at the end, John Warburg, the co-founder of a, the strict Baptist. One word, hallelujah. That was his last word. And uh, uh, three weeks from now, May 28th, I'm going to share more personal about 
my father who went through the valley of the shadow of death, my mother who did, and recently my brother as well. And I'll share with you the last word that my brother spoke on this earth, and I was there to hear it. But these are ones who trusted in Christ. They lived for him. Again, this book, this inspiring book. And it brings us, you know, um, face to face with that reality which many people don't want to think about, talk about, that it hits us all. They had no fear. Jesus had taken that fear away. This is what the writer of Hebrews was talking about. He says, Inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him with the power of death that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death are all their lifetime subject to bondage. Jesus came to release us from the fear of death. Imagine now, Imagine you're at a, a month-long party here in the month of May. The whole month of May, you're at a great big party. Every day is celebration. It's fun. It's food. It's friends. It's games. It's Thunder Road. But if you, what if you knew, though, at the end of the month, starting June 1st, you were going to prison? And it's going to be a horrible prison it's going to be the gulag. Every day of this month while you were partying, you'd be thinking about that June 1st. You'd be in fear of it. It would be on the back of your mind or the front of your mind. You wouldn't be able to enjoy the party as much. You'd be in bondage. You'd be in bondage. Now, I want, to, I want you to imagine this. Let's say you're at that, you got the whole month of May and party, then you find out on June 1st, you're going to a bigger party. It's going to be better than ever. Unlike anything that you have in the month of May, this party. It's going to last the rest of your life. You would not be in bondage like the first situation. Jesus beat the devil at his own game, death. Through death, he destroyed him who had the power of death. Death need not be feared. He came to release us from that fear. You know, in sports, particularly, say like football, you know, if you're on offense, uh, you, typically offensive strategies are to, are to uh, attack the defense at its weakest point. Like if you're playing the New York Giants back when Lawrence Taylor was playing linebacker, you did not direct your offense towards Lawrence Taylor. But Jesus didn't work that way. He went to the devil's strongest suit, death, and he beat him at it. He beat him at his own game, death. Folks, for anybody here that doesn't yet know Jesus as his or her Lord and Savior, this is a call now to salvation for you. That you can be today released from the bondage of the fear of death and be assured of heaven and eternal life. This verse is for you. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you haven't yet 
bowed your knee to Christ, accepted Him in your life as, as your Lord and Savior, pray something like this with me right now. Heavenly Father, I know this is what my dad prayed. This is what my brother prayed. My mom, I know I'm a sinner. My sins are taking me to hell. I'm in bondage to them. And I'm in bondage to the fear of death. Jesus, you came to take all that away, to wash away my sins, take away the, and release me from the fear of death. I accept you into my heart, my life. Take over as my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you prayed that, let somebody know. Speak it. Again, I invite you back May 28th. Of course, the other, even though I'm not speaking the next two Sundays, we want you to come back again, not just to hear me, but uh, I invite you to come on May 28th. I know that's a holiday weekend. If you can't make it, I encourage you to uh, watch it on our website or on YouTube. Okay, I'm going to skip that session there. I want to talk about one more thing. One more, one more encouragement and that's this, not everyone here, not everyone living today will have to go through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, maybe everybody will, but there's going to be a generation of Christians that's going to be on the earth and they won't have to go through the valley of the shadow of death. I don't know when that generation is. It might be ours, probably I think it is, but other generations thought the same thing. But there's going to be a generation of Christians that won't have to face death. It's called the rapture. The church is called the bride of Christ. From the formation of the church, shortly after Jesus' ascension, from the formation of the church, after his resurrection and ascension, to this present time, people have been added to the church, the bride of Christ. There's going to come a time when one last person is going to be added to the roles that are called up yonder. <clears throat> There's going to be one last person added, and the church will be complete. We don't know when it'll be, but it'll be like this. It'll be like a Jewish betrothal and wedding. And as I understand it, when there was an engagement or a betrothal, the, the man would come, he'd, be, he'd, be, he'd get engaged to his wife, he'd be betrothed, but then he'd go away for a while. An indeterminate amount of time. And she didn't know when, but he was gonna, he'd be, come back sometime to claim her as his bride, and one day he just shows up. That's what it's going to be like for us as the church. Jesus has gone away. The bride of Christ is us and others that came before and after, and he's going to come back sometime, and we're going to be raptured. We talk, it talks about this in 1 Thessalonians 4. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. That means they've died in Christ. Lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. Picture this as I read this. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, then we who are alive and remain shall caught together with them in the air. Hallelujah. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Comfort not one another with these words. I hope you're 
comforted. Again, there'll be a generation of Christians who will not have to pass through the valley of the shadow of death. They'll be raptured. The church will be complete. When Jean and I got married almost 44 years ago, this month will be May 26th, will be our 44th. I want you to remember that date so you can wish us happy anniversary. May 26th, 1979, we were married. The preacher at the wedding said, he said this, he, he, he made a prediction. He said, I predict that, that your marriage will not end in the death of either one of you. He predicted that we'd be part of that generation that would be raptured. Well, better hurry up, huh? We haven't got 44 more years to go. Good-looking couple there. I want you to recite with me, uh, recite with me this half a verse. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Folks, if there's ones here who are walking through a valley right now in their lives, <clears throat> difficult time, uh, during the last song that we're going to sing in a moment, Amazing Grace, I uh, invite you to come up to the front either on this side or that side, the front pew, and on the, uh, Seth and Terry are going to be on that, that side, we want to come and hear, listen, answer, pray with you, listen to your story, pray for you, and uh, me and my trophy wife are going to be over on this side, and we invite you to, if you want to come up either side, and I believe uh, Paula and Mike, they offer to come up and pray as well, so they can pray with you as well, and listen. So, let's stand and pray, and the band will come forward again. During the song, if you'd like prayer, come up to the front. When the song is over, then we'll listen and hear your story and offer prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, we thank you that you, you address the realities of life and death. And thank you that we can rest in you and with you. We thank you for Jesus, our shepherd, that any valley that we walk through, even the valley of the shadow of death, you're with us. You comfort us. We thank you for that. Bless these saints.